0: Okay, I'll cut it, right? Okay. Pregnancy, birth, parenting, it means so many different things to so many different people. What does living a healthy reproductive life mean in the context of reproductive justice? This podcast is not your traditional healthy babies, healthy pregnancy kind of gig. It's designed to challenge you, outrage you, pique your curiosity, and maybe sometimes have you not in agreement. Our birth conversations are the kind that often get left out of the mainstream, I promise, like life, we'll leave you with some answers, but perhaps more questions. These are birth conversations that matter. These are the Birth Talks. Are you ready? So as you know, this is my final episode uh, hosting the Birth Talks. And um, it's definitely not the end, though, because there are still so many stories to be told um, around sexual and reproductive health rights. And I am really excited to introduce... Trish Frempong, who is going to be the new host of the the Birth Talks, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Uh, hi, my name is Trish Frempong, uh, and
1: um just really excited to be part of this conversation related to sexual and reproductive health. Uh, and involving uh, the many stories that are often overlooked or forgotten along the way.
0: And Trish, you and I know each other from, it's been six years now when we first met um, in the midwifery program at Ryerson. I have so much trust in what you are going to bring to the Birth Talks. And I just wondered um, what your hopes are for the future of this podcast.
1: Um So part of it, when I've been thinking about, you know, our various conversations over the years and just being able to not only participate uh, in the podcast, but also just listening in um, to each episode, um, it really resonates with me in a sense that I've always wanted to be, you know, part of the conversations that can provoke thought, that can create some change, that can open up the eyes of many, including myself. Um, you know, I'm a lifelong learner and just a lover of understanding differences amongst people and I feel like you my had really done a ger- a great job of you know bringing that to the forefront through this podcast, and my hope is just to to continue with that same energy of just opening up the doors and the minds of people of what's out there and sharing our stories so that we can all kind of um, evolve in our understanding of how sexual health and reproductive health and and the inequities within that uh, impact so many. Uh,
0: We are still seeing a lot of inequities even within our profession. Um, And I think this work uh, is so important, um, you know, especially with, with, wanting to give these services to different people. And I just wanted to to recognize that, that even though we work in a profession that, you know, should really tout gender equality and feminism, it's not always the case.
1: No, I agree. It's um it's a pretty interesting place to be in um, where you have a behind the scenes view more so than ever before of just how much inequities there are within healthcare. And even within the work of midwifery and uh, just trying to figure out where where you fit within within that context, Are you on the side of creating more gaps and harm, or are you on the side of trying to create
0: change and difference for so many? Thanks so much, Fish. Do you want to add anything else before we sign off? Yeah, i um I'm just excited to
1: be. Um, part of this, I, I have such high respect for you, my, and, um, the work that you do both within and beyond the podcast. And I have talked to classmates and colleagues who, um, have gotten some, um, experience and exposure to this podcast. And, you know, I've got some big shoes to fill and I just hope I do it some good justice.
0: I have no doubt that uh, the Birth Talks is in amazing hands, Trish. Like there's there's not even a question in my mind. You're going to do, once you figure out all this like editing stuff, you'll be great. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Trish. Many kisses to you. Yeah, same to you. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. I wanted to hear from people who are actually listening to the podcast and what they thought of it. I actually first met Kristen um, earlier this year when I just restarted um, the midwifery program. Um, Kristen also sent me a text a few weeks ago, and this is what Kristen wrote on February 25th. She says, my, I have a confession. I am a big fangirl of your podcast from way back. I thought it would be weird to gush about it before, dot, 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 to which I wrote, Kristen, oh my God, your text made me laugh so much just because we actually are friends. Um, and none of my friends actually listen to my work. Uh, I'm read with the compliment. Thank you. And she wrote one of the best things that just, it just made my day that day. She said, ha ha. Oh my God, I'm glad it made you laugh. It's one of the best birth, et cetera, related podcasts I've listened to. You do good work.
2: It's funny how things sort of um, come like come full circle uh, because I first started listening to your podcast uh, like a couple of years ago probably after the first time I applied in uh, to the midwifery program or um, just shortly before my first round of interviews which I didn't I didn't get accepted the first time but um, I really started listening for sure like in the, in the couple of months before um, my interviews last year which I, I was then accepted into the program um, and there was uh, like I really appreciated and, and still appreciate um, the way that you've looked at at um, complex social issues surrounding birth from like um, a different perspective than I was getting in other ways that I was like trying to prepare for like midwifery um, interviews and you have no idea how, what that's going to be like. Um in particular, like I remember, my mind like just being like really blown and expanded by uh, your episode when you interviewed uh, Rachel and Rob about um, their their baby Aaron. And I, I don't know if you want me to explain that episode, but it, um, basically, they made the choice to to continue a pregnancy that ultimately they knew the baby, um, their baby, was going to die, and um, that conversation one like made me ugly cry like the whole for like fifty minutes but two like really made me um understand or like reconsider what it, it means when we offer choice and like what choice really is and a lot of the conversation around like choices in pregnancy and childbirth aren't really present they're presented as choices but they aren't really choices that are supported all the time and that um I think that's uh, a lesson that I learned from that podcast that like I really hope that I'm able to take forward with me as like a midwife in the future um uh you've really helped me like expand my mind on like these social issues. And that's, I really value a podcast for that reason.
0: Oh, thanks, Kristen. I honestly, thank you so much. Cause I really, I, I really love to hear from people who, who listen to the podcast. Otherwise I'm just working with statistics, you know, you've got however so many subscribers and, um, and I always love getting comments from people and, and knowing that, um, that people actually value the stories and I didn't, I don't do anything except I listen to the stories and then I just, um, I just edit them and put them out there.
2: I'm excited to hear more content, whatever that, that sounds like in the future.
0: So I love hearing from people who have actually listened to the podcast and Lisa Deacon is someone um, that for me, I've been a fan of Lisa. I'm like the fan of the fan because Lisa is always so um, open and, loyal to putting comments um, to almost uh, all the posts that I've put on my Facebook page. And it was one of the reasons why, one of the reasons I had the energy to continue doing the podcast and, and, and putting so much energy to it was because people like Lisa would share um, um, their feedback on the impact of the podcast.
2: My name is Lisa and I, am a, I have one son who's four years old and um i've been a big fan of the podcast <laughs> since it came into inception um i just happened upon it at a time in my life where a lot was going on around birthing and feminism and so uh being able to listen to the stories that my uh was bringing um over the over the podcast was just really healing for me and uh full of learning and uh yeah, it just came at the right time in my life. It was I was looking back today at the um episode listing, and the first uh episode that you did, my was um right before my mom died. And I also had this like tornado of um loss that started that same year. Um I lost uh my four subsequent pregnancies, and I was also trying in those times to really figure out um you know, I, coming into motherhood and, and becoming a feminist through motherhood and also just starting to learn about other people's uh, challenges and perseverance. And so through those stories, it like these last few years, it's really been a, a great um, comfort for me and as well as a source of uh, like knowledge and um, other perspectives that are different from my own. So,
0: yeah. Sounds like you went through a lot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, believe
2: it or not, I'm um, I'm actually due in a few days to, to wow. have oh a baby. So hopefully, hopefully it all goes well. And I was just thinking this morning about like how this, the Birth Talks podcast is also going through like a rebirth of sorts and a big change. Yes. And it's time for me to also go through this big change where hopefully everything will go well. And mm-hmm. um, I'll have, you know, my, my family that I've always dreamed of having.
0: Oh my gosh. And so you are, did you say you're due in a few days?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really believe in due dates, but they're Mm -hmm. saying like March 9th or 10th. So yeah, sometimes it's, Sometime this week, and with the full moon, you know, they. T- I, yeah. I've heard that that can be more likely. So we'll see on Wednesday, I
0: guess. Yeah, you know, full moon, Friday the thirteenth, uh, Mercury and retrograde, all that stuff, right? It's like prime for you to give <laughs> yeah, birth this yeah. week. Yeah. Oh, I'm so. My happy mom to was hear a deep
2: believer in those things too. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm I'm so happy to hear that, Lisa. And I remember that time when you wrote this article. It was like a, a blog post on. um the, the, it was like the top five things you've learned from the podcast. I was just blown away from it. Yeah. Like, someone took the time and and wrote. And I just I remember showing it to my my, my partner and being like, oh, my gosh, look at this.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, that year that you started, we had also started a, a business that focuses on postpartum bodies. And there are certain decisions that we made when we started that up. Um, that we, you know, we learned a lot from your podcast through that and we use different language now and, and things like that. And I really felt like this podcast for me has been a crash course in that And you know how at the end of most of your courses, you're writing an essay. So I felt compelled to just write an essay of sorts about what I had learned. Um, I'm also in a group of, of women who has a podcast club. So I've chosen, you know, we've gotten together before and chosen episodes from your podcast to discuss. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm a super fan, but I never meant to be, it just, I think it was really just all timing and that I was ready to, um, be open to hearing, uh, all of these different perspectives and, uh, yeah. So <laughs> thank you very much for bringing all these stories, my.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for energizing me to honestly, to, to continue. Cause I honestly, um fed off of, of, of the feedback that I heard. And, and you were the, you were one of the people that really stuck out in my mind of um, also inspiring me to, to always keep going. Um, You also run a group called mom friends, right? Do you want to just quickly chat about that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's the, the business that we started up um, right, you know, around the time that we started having babies. And um, so my friend would, you know, put together these postpartum care kits for a new mom um that were kind of filled with the things the unmentionables, the things that are stigmatized about postpartum rest and recovery, both from a mental as well as a physical perspective. Um, so we, we started that mom friends business in um in early 2017. Uh, and it's like I said, it's been a journey of um trying to uh understand the needs of women and people who are giving birth. Um, and what they need after they give birth and, and what helps them and really, uh, explore. And I would say we're only, we're still at the, at the very beginning of exploring, you know, the different cultural um, perceptions of postpartum and care. And, um, so it's just been like a really great journey alongside the birth talks podcast story as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you do such important to, uh, important work as well, Lisa. So, um, uh... I really uh, look forward to to staying in touch. And, um, you know, I think the birth talks is going to be in good hands with the new host. My, I wish you
2: all the best in, in whatever you're up to next. Do you have like big plans or are you just kind of taking a step back? Podcasting is a lot of work, I know, but um,
0: what what are your next steps? Oh, well, I've got to concentrate now on finishing this midwifery degree, which I started six years ago. So I feel like that that along with with um, my three little ones and just just balancing all of that, just making sure like like family is still um, in in a priority for me. So, um, yeah, so that that was the whole reason too of, of just stepping back a bit. Good luck with baby. Please let me know, like through private message, how everything goes. I want to see pictures. Thanks. Yeah, I will. I'll let you know. All right. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was lovely to, to finally chat with you. So, Leila, we, we've been hearing a lot from different people about where they want Canada to go in 2020 when it comes to gender equality. Um, I just want to know, like, when we think about intersectionality in the gender equality movement, um, for me, the fact that GBA+, as the government knows it, or intersectionality, as it's originally coined, is a newer uh, concept that people are finally accepting what is this what does this say about where the feminist movement has been and where it has come? Um
3: I always think
0: about feminism has
3: the fact that feminism has its roots in a very white Western history, right? That's the that's the origins, those are the origins of, of feminism. Some of the earliest suffragettes were, in fact,, um, while they were advocating for the right for women to vote, they were also actively against the interests of Black and Indigenous people and women. So those histories are interlinked, and those realities are interlinked. And so we have to look at it, where the root of it is from. It's interesting when we talk about GBA+, plus and we talk about... Um, saying this context, Indigenous communities, Indigenous peoples, not to say that it's a monolith. Um, Important to keep in mind the diversity of Indigenous communities and what we now call Canada. But a lot of Indigenous peoples um, reject the notion of feminism because of those histories and because of the fact that Indigenous communities have had, and even this would be true for Um, other nations in the world as well they have had very distinct histories of what gender is and what sex is so um, when we talk about feminism in a very in a specific sense of it being an entity that comes from um, roots that are western it can there is a delicate balance of not imposing it on communities who already have had a lot imposed on them. We definitely need to work more towards centering the voices of people that often we pay lip service to through, and the lip service often is paid through people who, who hold those same old privileged experience and experiences and social markers right so I think it's time where we start to within the Ottawa feminist community within the global feminist community we start to diversify who gets to sit at the table or maybe we even need to question why there is a table in the first place right so yeah mm.
0: Mm. I think that really resonates with me because I remember when I first started working with women's organizations seven years ago now. Um, Sorry, that just makes me feel really old. But I'm like, my gosh, I just think I remember the conversations that we used to have, the debate among feminists about intersectionality. And this was a conversation not that long ago that there was no place for intersectionality in gender equality because If we focused on race and class and sexual orientation and, you know, different identity factors, gender would be forgotten. And so uh, I really resonate with what you say around the fact that feminism did come from a very colonial root. Um, uh, I also embrace that gender equality is something that is much needed. And how do we really make space, right, for, as you said, different voices um, to sit at the table and why do we even need that table? Exactly, and I think um, catering
3: to that work requires obviously sensitivity. It requires a a feminist paradigm and knowledges that are that are rooted in lived experience that come from um, obviously lived experience and not just lived experience, also sensitivity and knowledge and, you know, um, specific outputs on how to, what we're doing to make things forward. I recently read this article that was talking about the fact that um, nine out of 10 people hold at least one bias against women. And this includes women. So 90 of men, according to the article, and 86% of women hold bias against other women. So I think to me, definitely, absolutely. When we talk about the fact that, you know, that there is like, I look like looking at feminism as like this, like this, this, this sibling or like this younger sibling or this kid, or, you know, this someone who you've nurtured and who's, who's also grown with you, but that doesn't mean you know, we distance ourselves from feminism. It means we we nurture it. We make it grow because we need it. We we love it. You know, we are connected to it. It's a part of us. And um, it's important for, for many of us. It's, there is no other option but to be feminists and advocates and push for change. So um, I think definitely when also we talk about intersectionality, the fact is, I never see it as gender being forgotten. I think gender, for people who experience multiple marginalities, their gender is racialized or their race is gendered. So it's it's so intertwined, which is again where the importance of lived experience comes in. When you live a life and when you live a... An existence that is a certain way, twenty four seven. You're in, you're, you know, in a body, in an experience that is yours, and that is not part of the mainstream. These are not. It's not an option for you to not think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than for someone who may come at it from a space as an ally, may come at it from a space of curiosity or whatever, right? So I think that's where the importance of centering lived experience and diverse peoples comes in. And I think that's where I wouldn't say we're failing, but that's where we need actively more support and more change. We need flexibility in our systems, in workplaces. And flexibility, I think, is the one way in which we can actively bring diverse change makers um,
0: into more decision-making
3: roles. Mm.
0: And accountability of, of where our privilege lies, right? Recognition and just uh, being able to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you that
3: I think when we talk about change, when we talk about learning, discomfort has to be front and center. So when I did, when I decided to, for instance, do the vagina monologues, in the very beginning, I was like, oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable doing this. I don't know if I want to do this. You know, talking about very explicit, like, issues, like, talking very explicitly about, like, vaginas (laughs) in front of, like, 800 people, which is what I ended up doing, right? But I knew that in order for me to grow, and it has really been a learning experience in so many ways, it's been an opening experience, in order for me to learn with others,
0: um, I needed to do that. Mm. And in honor of um, intersectionality in the gender equality movement, I would love it if you could share the reading that you did uh, for the vagina monologues. The monologue is entitled, They
3: Beat the Girl Out of My Boy, or So They Tried. At five years old, I was putting my baby sister's diapers on I saw her vagina. I wanted one. I wanted one. I thought it would grow. I thought I would open. I ached to belong. I ached to smell. Like my mother, her sweet aroma lived in my hair, on my hands, in my skin. I ached to be pretty, pretty. I wondered why I was missing my bathing suit top at the beach why i wasn't dressed like the other girls i ached to be completed i ached to belong to twirl the baton they assigned me a sex the day i was born it's as random as being adopted or being assigned a hotel room on the 30th floor it has nothing to do with who you are or your fear of heights But in spite of the apparatus I was forced to carry around, I always knew I was a girl. They beat me for it. They beat me for crying. They pummeled me for wanting to touch, to pet, to hug, to help, to hold their hands, for trying to fly in church like Sister Betrell, for doing cartwheels, crocheting socks, for carrying purses to kindergarten. They kicked the shit out of me every day on my way to school. In the park, they smashed my magic marker painted nails. They punched my lipstick mouth. They beat the girl out of my boy, or they tried. So I went underground. I stopped playing the flute. Be a man. Stand up for yourself. Go punch him back. I grew a full beard. It was good. I was big. I joined the Marines. Suck it up and drive on. I became duller. Jaded. Sometimes cruel. Butch it. Butch it. Butch it up. Always clenched. Inaccurate. Incomplete. I ran away from home. From school. From boot camp. Ran to Miami, Greenwich Village, Aleutian Islands, New Orleans. I found gay people, wilderness lesbians, got my first hormone shot, got permission to be myself, to transition, to travel, to immigrate. 350 hours of hot needles. I would count the male particles. As they died. Sixteen man hair is gone. The feminine is in your face. I lift my eyebrows more. I'm curious. I ask questions. And my voice. Practice, practice. It's all about resonance. Sing song, sing song. Men are monotone and flat. Hello, my friend. And my vagina is so much friendlier. I cherish it. It brings me joy. The orgasms come in waves. Before, they were jerky. I'm your girl next door. My lieutenant colonel father ending up paying for it. My vagina. My mother was worried what people would think of her. That she made this happen. Until I came to church and everyone said you have a beautiful daughter I got to be soft I'm allowed to listen I'm allowed to touch I'm able to to receive to be in the present tense people are so much nicer to me now I can wake up in the morning put my hair in a ponytail a wrong was righted I am right with God. It's like when you're trying to sleep and there is a loud car alarm. When I got my vagina, it was like someone finally turned it off. I live now in the female zone, but you know how people feel about immigrants. They don't like it when you come from someplace else. They don't like it when you mix. They killed my boyfriend. They beat him insanely as he slept. With a baseball bat, they beat this girl out of his head. They didn't want him dating a foreigner, even though she was pretty and she listened and was kind. They didn't want him falling in love, with ambiguity. They were scared he'd got lost. They were that terrified of love.
0: I have to say, like, hearing the different people talk about uh, where Canada needs to go in 2020 when it comes to gender equality has been really thought-provoking, emotional for me, inspiring. Um, Hearing you do your reading from the Vagina Monologues makes me really want to focus on at least where I want Canada to go in 2020, which is around um, intersectionality in the gender equality movement. What do you, what about you? Where, where do you want Canada to go in 2020? Yeah.
3: So, and I know some of this we touched on earlier as well. Um, I definitely think it's, it's very important to, again, by centering on, voices that have not been centered on before we will start on an amazing journey towards creating a society a community that is that is safe for everyone that is inclusive for everyone where um, self-determination is not something that's sort of tolerated from the sidelines that's kind of how it is right now the way I feel like yes there is a space for self-determination, a space for, you know, being sort of different, but it's embraced, it's included, right? The people we recognize that, you know, whether it's talking about birth or birthing others or, you know, pregnancy or abortion or birthing oneself or transitioning or for people who are trans and Having a family and what, what the family looks like and having, um, you know, children that are biologically your children or adopting children. You know, all those conversations, I think the more they stray from the mainstream, the more there is, yes, there's some tolerance for it, but not really an acceptance. Mm. Right. And so I think we need to we need to push on that a bit further.
0: Well, I think this also makes me think about sexual and reproductive health rights. Like it happens to me that this podcast is focusing on it, but it is in by no means in isolation. It has to be in this larger conversation of gender equality and human rights. Right. Um, like you just said, there's, there's so much interconnectedness with it. What is self-determination of your own body? To me, self-determination
3: of, of our bodies is highly linked to the fact that for 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 those of us for for any of us who are you know again outside of the the very mainstream experience whether it's due to being a woman whether it's due to being a racialized or indigenous person whether it's due to being a transgender person a um person someone who is uh, gay or queer, uh, someone who is disabled, all of these threads are all of these experiences or are, are interconnected based on self-determination, right? Mm-hmm. Or in the mainstream, a lack of it because any of these experience all of these experiences involve a typically have involved a to a level of dehumanization and dispossession of of one's, own self-autonomy, right? Through uh, reproductive coercion, through sexual coercion, conversion therapy, forcing who you share your body with, you know, it brings in conversations about consent and rape culture and conversations on, you know, um, uh, like the right for people with disabilities to uh, have the families that they they see themselves having and having children, right? Like all those threads are around control. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think a lot of this to me is a very central thread around others deciding people. So essentially institutions and people in positions of power deciding who gets to um, you know, express freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's typically it's been that people with with more privilege have they can do whatever they want, right?
0: Even even people who um, choose not to have kids or cannot have kids face those same discourses that you were talking about, right? Like there's there's really only one choice right now, and the choice is for those who are in the mainstream uh and those who have power. And so I think that's that's a big thing about self-determination. And
3: and even for them, right? Like or and and for them, there is that one path you, you follow because when you steer from the path, you're no longer part of the club, so to speak, right? Because you defy the norms. So, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is things that we've heard through, um, you know, with with uh, access to abortions, when we heard Karen talk about um, uh, what it's like for Indigenous people on reserves to actually get the, the right care um, when you're pregnant or giving birth. Um, we heard of this through... Um, also just different intergenerational, uh, activists as well, like the different perspectives of, of what different, um, people bring through ages. And then we also hear the importance of, um, men's role as well in being able to close this gap and really help, uh, to be part of that movement towards self-determination, Mm-hmm. And I, I want to leave off with um, something that Karen said that really inspired me. She's like, there's nothing more that healthcare workers can do. Um, we've got to really push our government. Um, and I think that's that's a big one for where does Canada need to go with gender equality in 2020? Um, there's a lot of us that are doing uh, 120% of the work. You know, we go home and we're tired and we're burnt out. Uh, and, of course, there is tons of work that Canadians can still do around doing undoing their bias, uh, acknowledging privilege, um, and advocating more and being allies. Um, but uh, um, one of the big questions is, like, when is our government going to step up so that uh, change can happen? Absolutely. Yep. So thank you so much to all of the listeners who have followed along with the Birth Talks podcast, uh, in particular, from the time that I've hosted it up until now. Um, You know, the thousands of people out there, those invisible people who are those subscribers, I have really appreciated the energy that you've put into this podcast um it's because of you that uh, i've been motivated to continue with telling the stories um that we have and it's going to continue on so it's not the end we're going to have a new host with new stories and as my friend greg said we need more warriors not soldiers in this world Thank you so much, Layla, for co-hosting with me today. It was such a special time um, because you were there from the beginning of the podcast. And here you are at the end of my final time hosting it. If you would like to continue tuning in to the podcast, please um, visit www.thebirthtalks.com. We're also on Apple iTunes and I- I'm getting to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Until the next time, live life, love true and keep it real.